born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Look at number four, Exodus chapter 21. A book of Exodus chapter 21. I know this may not be the most exciting message in all the world, but that's okay. I'm not the most exciting speaker in all the world. And I don't feel the best in all the world. But the Word of God is still the Word of God and what it says. So here in the book of Exodus, when you look at verse 21, let's start in verse 22. Verse 22. If a man strive and hurt a woman with, with what? With child, so that her fruit depart from her. So a child and fruit must be the same thing. And the fruit of the womb must be referring to a child. And it's at the moment of conception. So I don't need a doctor to tell me when life begins. I got the Bible. The Bible is the truth. And that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. Now get the next statement. And if any mischief follow, in other words, the mother lives, but the child dies, then thou shalt give life for what? Life. The person that takes the life and causes that child to die is supposed to die. Now I didn't write the Bible. But I do believe the Bible. I believe it's wrong for doctors to abort a baby. Laws are no laws. I believe it's wrong. I believe it's wrong for women to get pregnant and then want to kill the baby. And then talk about, well, the right to choose. Why didn't you make the choice before that? It's S-I-N. S-I-N. So the Bible teaches that that child inside of the womb is a life because if the mother lives, but this here life dies, that means it must be a separate life. Can you see that? I'm not trying to force it. I'm just letting it say what it says. And that's what it says. Look in the book of Job, the book of Job, 
Job is a wonderful book. Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10, and look in verse 8. This is on page 576 in an old Schofield reference Bible, or one of the church Bibles. And he makes this statement in verse 8 of chapter 10, book of Job. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me together round about. And yet thou didst destroy me. He's saying, God, you made me, and now you're destroying me. Because of all the things that were happening to Job, he just thought, hey, life is over. I guess I'm going to die. And he began to curse the day he was born. Because he'd lost his children, ten of them. Lost his health, lost his wealth. And his wife says, why don't you curse God and die? Uh, he was having a bad day. So he says here in verse 9, Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Look in verse 10, or 11. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh. So you're not just flesh. You're not just skin. You're not just bone. That's the body. You are a soul living inside of a body. And then he says, and has fenced me with bones and sinews. In other words, I'm trapped inside of this body like bars that hold my soul. Like being inside of a prison. You can't get out of the body. If you get out of the body, you're dead. So you got to carry around everywhere you go. Whatever you do, you've got to carry that hunk of flesh made out of clay everywhere you go. And God says, don't fall too much in love with that old flesh. It's going to die one of these days. It's going to change shapes and sizes and looks and gets a few little aches and pains along the way. Like Jay was talking about needing cataract surgery. He got a cataract. I got a Lincoln Continental. Now look in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Thou hast, get this, granted me life. The right to life. God has granted you the right to life. Is right to life in the Bible? Yes, it is. And favor and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. God created us and granted us the right to life. Those little babies in a mother's womb have a right to live. And isn't it a shame that we have so many women today talking about how that, uh, you know, women's rights, women's right. Since when does a woman's right override the baby's right? Thou hast granted me life. We should seek to always do what's right and honor the Lord, to please the Lord. Now look there in the next scripture, Luke chapter 1, all the way over to the New Testament. See if it changes by the time we get to the New Testament. I don't think it does. Luke chapter 1, and look there in verse 31. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. An angel of the Lord comes to see Mary. Already done talk to Zechariah and Elizabeth. John the Baptist was already on the way. She was about six months pregnant with him. 
So he says here in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Once that happens, the baby's on the way. Conception. Bring forth a fetus. Bring forth a what? A son. And shall call his name Jesus. Do you believe that God has a plan? God has a purpose? That God can really create individuals, determine their sex, and determine where they live or who their parents may be? See, those are some choices we never had the chance to make. But God made them. And then he says in verse 32, Does God know the future? He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, saying, I know not a man? Because she's a virgin. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that, and you ought to underline those two little words, holy thing, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing. I believe every child is a holy thing. But of course Christ had no sinful nature. He was totally perfect. And Mary was used by God to provide a body in which the Son of God would come into this world so that he could live a perfect life under the law, never sin, and voluntarily, because he was innocent, give his life for us. Now notice something else. Look in verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month. So this is a child, a son, a babe, and it's the sixth month. Now you'll hear them say that uh, you're just a fetus until you're born. Then you're a child. The Bible doesn't teach that. Look what it says here. If you'll notice, it makes a statement in verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the fetus leaped in her womb. Now this was at six months, remember. The babe leaped in her womb. Now chapter 2 of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. And notice in verse 5. Chapter 2 and verse 5. You know they were on their way, Mary and Joseph, to the house of David, Bethlehem, because they had to go to the place where they were to pay their taxes. And it says in verse 5, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with fetus. Great with what? See, whenever you put those other words in there, it just don't fit right. But it's better to go with what the Bible says. And so it says here, great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. So this was a child, firstborn son. 
Now, something that's interesting to see is here in the book of Luke in chapter 2, and you'll notice in verse 12, where it says in verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, with Jesus, the babe has been born and is in the manger. True? Called a babe. But now you look there in Luke chapter 1, in verse 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. So the babe in the manger, and it was a babe in the womb. What's the difference? One's in the womb and one's out of the womb. They're both babes. One is not a fetus and the other one is a child once it's born. No, that, that's a babe in the womb. And this is one that's the son of God. And the babe was laying in the manger. Look in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Look there in verse 4. In verse 4. When he says in verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, see those next three words? I knew thee. Now he's not talking about the body. He's talking about the person in the body. I knew you. And he says, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, before you came out of the womb. So that means you were you, whoever you are, you were in the womb. You didn't become a person the day you were born. So, for my own personal view, I like to count myself as I'm 73 years old plus nine months. Those nine months count. I was here. Of course, I was just a babe in the womb. But I was a babe. So when my wife looks at me, she says, hello, babe. <laughs> well, anyway. In verse 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Did God have a purpose in this child? Don't you think that if this is true, and that God so loved the world, God may just have had you born for a specific reason. Do you ever have that feeling that you feel like, I feel special. I'm different from everybody else. And you are. You are unique. There's not another one like you. Nobody quite like you. You're specially designed by God. And he has a reason. He knew if you were male or female, and he has a purpose in your life. Now, you may not find it because you don't seek God's will and seek, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to live? Sometimes we just do whatever we want. All we like sheep have gone. In other words, you went your own way. 
So you never find out what is that special reason that God created me. It's wonderful whenever you find from the Word of God how special you really are. Now, I want to read something to you. It's on a little on the negative side, but I understand a little bit about where the person's coming from. But when you stop and think of how hopeless man is, we did nothing to create ourselves. We didn't ask to be born. Our choice of male or female or parents, none of that mattered. It was out of our hands. You see, there's something God did after the counsel of his own will. Whatever pleased God. He didn't even ask me. Did he ask you? He didn't ask me. All I know is I came to one day when I was about two years old, and I've remembered everything ever since. (laughs) Well, I can remember way back. I was talking to my mama one day, and she says, Yankee, you don't remember that. I says, Mama, I do. She says, you're only about two years old then. So I told her some other stuff, and I was only six months old then, and I didn't. That's about as far back as I can remember. But when we came into this world, and all of a sudden, here we are. Now, what does God want with little old me? What does God want with you? So there's things that we need to think about, and a way of thinking. Now, I was told that Abraham Lincoln had this poem, that he had memorized it word for word. Now, it was written by a guy named William Knox, and he lived from 1789 till 1825, so he didn't live very long. But he wrote this poem. And as I read the poem, I, I, I kind of like it, but it looked like it was a little on the negative side and a little bit about why should the spirit of man ever boast about being proud? You know, what have we really done? And you can get to the place where I've had Christians tell me, says, Yankee, God doesn't need you. You're nothing. God can create a million of you. You're dirt. You're zero. So by the time I got through, I didn't feel too good. I thought, surely, I must be worth more than a pile of beans, whatever it is. And then when you think of everything that God has and what he's done, that God thinks about you and how special you are and uniquely created you are. I know it not that it's anything that we did, but God did do it for us. So can I be thankful to the Lord for allowing me to be born, allowing me to live life, allowing me to hear the gospel? Can I be thankful for all of that? I I, I think so. Anyway, this is the point. Oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud? Like a fast flitting meteor, a fast flying cloud, a flash of the lightning, a break of the wave. He passes from life to his rest in the grave. The leaves of the oak And the willow shall fade, be scattered around, and together be laid. And the young and the old, and the low and the high, shall molder to dust 
and together shall lie, are hidden and lost in the depths of the grave. The peasant, whose lot was to sow and to reap, the herdsman who'd climb with goats through the steep, the beggar who wandered in search of his bread, have faded away like the grass that we tread. The saints who enjoyed the communion of heaven, the sinner who dared to remain unforgiven, the wise and the foolish, the guilty and the just, have quietly mingled their bones in the dust. So the multitude goes like the flower and the weed that wither away to let others succeed. So the multitude comes, even those we behold, to repeat every tale that hath often been told. For we are the same things our fathers have been, We seek the same sights that our fathers have seen. We drink the same stream, feel the same sun, run the same course that our fathers have run. Just the twink of an eye, just the drought of a breath, from the blossom of health to the paleness of death, from the gilded saloon to the briar of the shroud, why should the spirit of mortal be proud. To me, after I did read it, could understand the fatalism of such thinking without realizing the hope that we have in God or the value that man has because of the price God put upon man. How valuable is a man that if you were the only man in the whole world Do you believe that Jesus Christ would have left heaven's glory, came into this world and died for you if it was only you? Does the value increase because of the number of people? But what if it was only one person? How valuable is that one person? And if a man could gain the whole world, lose his own soul, what value was it? As though God says... The soul of a man is worth more than all the wealth in all the world. So how valuable are you? You're a special creation of God. I don't believe that we should despise one another or despise ourselves or despise the babe in the womb. I think that we should look at everything as God gave it life. God gave the right to life. And that we should love life and enjoy life. And to treat each other with dignity and with respect. I just think it would be a better way to think. Than not the fatalism that it all ends up in the grave. If all we are are bodies. And our bodies are all going to the grave. Whether you were rich or whether you were poor, high and mighty. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. And you're all like leaves. We all fade away. That's the flesh. But that's not the value of the spirit. Or the soul that God made. And placed within that physical body that yes is going to fade away and turn back to dust. But you and I have been specially designed by God. And therefore I think every child of God should understand. But praise be to the Lord. Like that little part that I wrote on that song. Praise be to God for what he hath done.
Because if he hadn't have done it, we wouldn't have anything. We're nothing without, without him. We're nothing. But with the Lord, you must be of some great value when you're seen through the eyes of the Lord. Look up here. Now let me just mention this. If you know of someone who may have had an abortion or whatever, isn't it wonderful that God forgives? God forgives. And there is a little piece of literature that's in there that's designed to give those that you may know some extra help to deal with those who have had some difficult decisions to make. And some people, they go astray and they make wrong decisions and sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what's right and wrong because they haven't been in a good Bible-believing teaching church or raised correctly where they think right. And sometimes there's a lot of people that have developed an awful lot of guilt. They need to know that God still loves them and that they can still trust Christ as Savior. God forgives of everything. And maybe you can't go back, change anything, but from this point on, seek to honor the Lord and do right. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But He loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect and righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. So God says, you can't save yourself. This church can't save you. Giving money can't save you. Living a good life and promising can't save you. You need a Savior, and there's only one. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves us. Now, He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He says, if you'll believe that I did it for you, I'll put this payment to your account. And if you'll believe it, He'll put it to your account. If you believe it, He'll put it to your account. Whosoever believeth should not perish. That means won't perish, won't go to hell, won't have to pay for sin because he's already paid for it. He put that payment to your account. And you can know that you have eternal life. Know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. I pray that everyone here has trusted Christ as Savior. But just in case, maybe you're visiting with us. Maybe you're listening on the Internet and you've never understood. I want you to know that God loves you. He really does, and so do we. We want you to trust the Lord because we want you to understand you're valuable, you're precious to God, and God wants you to spend eternity with Him. Would you trust Him? Would you believe that when He died, He died to pay for your sins? And if you'll accept Him as your Savior, He said He would give you eternal life and never cast you out and never lose you. If you're making that decision today, the preacher, that made sense to me, and I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior right now. Friend, I'd like to know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. But I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? If you trust Christ right now, God saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now. When you get up to leave, you can say, I'm going to heaven because today... I trusted Christ as my Savior. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. 
Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for watching over us and meeting our needs. We thank you for those that are able to be here today. We know there's a lot of people that are sick. And Father, sometimes the weather takes its toll. But Lord, we thank you so much for those who prepared food and made it possible for us to fellowship together. We ask your blessings upon the food and each person here. And bless those that are watching by internet and those that are here in Christ and we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.